0: so good to have a worship team that does worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 He has given us the victory. He is our champion. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Good to come to the house of the Lord and meet the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. His presence is here. I just want to stop and acknowledge him. And where would we be without the Lord? If it was not for the Lord, we would have been consumed. We would have died. We would have died in our sins, died in our ways, gone the wrong path. But the Lord, in his mercy, with his great love, wherewith he loved us, called us, brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> That's a word coming from the Lord. As according to 1 Chronicles 12, if anyone has a word, let him speak it out in uh, in order. And we thank you, Lord God, for speaking to your people. Father, to help those that are around us to be a family in this new year to reach out with our heart. Even as you reach out with compassion, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. So I'm real excited to present to you a a new lesson for this year, a a vision and a new way to have a a new season in your life. How many of you want a new season? Move away from what you were and to what you want to become in the Lord. Amen? Amen? And the Bible says we're supposed to keep pressing towards the mark for the prize. We're not supposed to just coast and relax, but we're supposed to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. That means that what we did before was good, but God has something better for us. He wants us to build upon that and just be more than conquerors to Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. Amen? I'm getting excited here, Brother Don. I'm so sorry. You know, uh, when we know what we have in Him, it gets you excited because, you know, the whole world is an opportunity for you. The whole world, because God has put it in our heart to do things that we couldn't do in our own selves, but He wants to help us accomplish it. Amen. So we never get to the end. We always say, okay, now what is next, Lord? Praise the Lord. So let me pray so that the words of the Lord would come to us. Father, I thank you that as I submit myself to you, I open my heart, my mind, my soul to receive what you have for your people, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I wanted to let you know that the vision for New Heart Foursquare Church for this year coming up, 2023, is for all of us to elevate our commitment to the Word of God. By developing a comprehensive biblical worldview or Christian view of the things that are around us. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Chuck? What what are you talking about? Well, first, let's define worldview. It simply put is the way you view the world. The way you view it, do you view it through the Bible or do you view it through your own eyes? Is it, you know, the Bible says that man is right in his own eyes, but God, His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have to align ourselves with the things of God, so when we see a situation, we're able to address it, attack it, and uh, evaluate it as far as how how the Lord wants us to continue. Now, we have to be careful, because there's a crazy culture out there. I don't know if you know that. It's getting crazier by the day. And the Bible says, not to be carried away with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men... And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Can, can, you know, there's men that are doing crazy things. Uh, Wendell sent me a, a video. They, they have these clubs in, in high school now called Satan clubs, and, and they worship Satan. This, and, and they're on TV, and the interviewer is saying. Uh, you know, what, what, why do you have a Satan club? He goes, well, because it's a free country. You can do whatever you want. You go, yeah, but do you know you're going to hell? <laughs> you know, Satan, that's where he's ending up, and you're going to go there too. You go, no, we don't really believe in hell. Okay, well, how could they convince people of that? I don't know how they can do that. It's deceitfulness. It's cunning. It's craftiness. Now, take, for example, what they're teaching our kids. It's okay to be trans- transgendered. You know, like you have a choice. Are, are, you, are you kidding me? The, the Bible says, so, so when you hear that, and people, when they say it, they're so convincing. You know, why, why would you deny someone a, a chance to be whoever they wanted to be? Well, I'm not doing I'm not making the rules. I'm just following the Bible. What does the Bible say in here? Genesis 1, 27. It says, <clears throat> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, and he made him. Male and female, he created, them. he created them. He created not Not you choose. <laughs> God, I think you made a mistake, okay? Uh, you made me a male, but I'm supposed to be a female. Now, I, uh, in history, you all remember uh, Bruce Jenner, right? The great Bruce Jenner. 1976, he was God's All-American, our All-American. He, he, he won the decathlon. For you ladies that don't know what that is, that's 10 events in the Olympics That's uh, running and jumping and shot putting and hurdling and all that kind of stuff. He got the highest score out of anybody in the whole world. He was the man's man. He was on wheaties. He was waving the flag. Yay, Bruce Jenner! I want to be like Bruce Jenner. And then, uh, forty years later, he says, "I want to be a girl." I said, "What? You want to be a girl? How can you do? How could you want to be a girl? You you just can't change." You know, you just can't pick and choose. One day I feel like another, one day I don't. You know, I mean, what, what what's going on here? But now I heard he wants to change back to being a boy. I don't think you can fluid yourself that, your gender that way, that fast. Can you do that? You know, so I, I don't know how I feel. You, you feel like you were made, praise God. Now, there's another doctrine that goes on. It says that... Uh, God created the earth in six days, but we don't really know if it was six uh, exact days, whether it's like, maybe that was just like a metaphor. But the Bible says on the seventh day, He rested, right? So people say, well, in the other parts of the Bible, it says that a day is as a thousand to the Lord, and a thousand is as a day. Well, yeah, that's, that's, he's comparing that God's not moved by time. But it's not meaning that it one day equals 1,000. Otherwise, on the seventh day, God rested 1,000 years. That, that, that doesn't make sense because then on the Sabbath, does that mean we're supposed to rest 1,000 years? <laughs> Impossible, right? So we have to be careful. So you might be telling yourself, <clears throat> I believe in the Bible. I have a biblical worldview. But can you really explain and defend why you know the Bible is true? And I'm going to ask you some questions here coming up and we're going to see how how you fare, because there is a a group called the Barnard Group. I don't know if you ever heard about them, but they measure people. They take surveys of people all over the nation, and so they asked seven questions, and they wanted to find out, do Christians have a biblical worldview? Do they see things the way God sees them? And only 9% of the people surveyed got all the questions right. I said, that's... That that's, that's can't be right. Not in, my, not in our church. I know we're going to get them all right, aren't we? <clears throat> well, we're going to have that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> People getting nervous. <laughs> I don't want to flunk. No. Okay. We, uh, it's important to know that you have a comprehensive Bible uh, worldview. Because it, it, it guides how you think. It guides what you do. It guides your actions. It guides how you believe and how you can get in God's good graces. So if we're not doing it, it weakens our commitment to the Word of God, and it also weakens our Christian witness to people around us. Amen? Now, I got a new neighbor. New neighbor. He, she's a Buddhist. She's a beautiful lady. Oh, she's so nice. Oh, she made us chicken noodle soup and we, we buy her kids presents, you know, and Christmas and everything. Just a sweet heart of a girl. But she's Buddhist. I go like, hmm, that's, that's, not, that's not good for her, you know? Because I looked at, so now I have to look up what, what do Buddhists believe? They, they believe in this nirvana, where you try to get to a state where you just have this perfect peace. And you, you're free from anxiety and anger and, and all that stuff, right? But... Also, after you die, you don't go to heaven or hell. You recreate yourself into something else, like a dog or another animal or another person. I'm going like, this ain't even right. So my job, my assignment is to somehow, in the next five to 10 years, (laughs) bring her over into the things of God. So it's an assignment to to be able to do that, because I know the Bible says, if she wants peace, the Bible says, uh, if you dwell in the Lord, He will give you perfect peace. Meditate in His Word day and night. So that's my assignment. So now, what is a biblical worldview? Like I said, it's an overarching view of the world based on God's revealed truth in His Word. It shapes our beliefs. It shapes our uh, morals. shapes our purpose in life. Now, I know uh, we send out the Decision Magazine. My son signs people up, and they get a chance to understand what a worldview is because we're being threatened by the culture. They're trying to influence us so much. When I was working at at my first company, I had managers that actually would spit in my face because I challenged them on on some of the things that are in the Bible. And they said, how can you deny someone to love someone? Who are you in charge? I go, I'm not in charge. (laughs) I didn't write the rules. Uh, Let's go to to a scripture here. (laughs) And they said, oh, that's just a book. Have you heard that? People tell you that? It's just a book. Yeah, this book will take you to heaven or it'll take you to hell. You choose. Amen? You, you, have, you have a choice. Amen? So uh, when people ask me questions, I don't have an opinion. I, I don't have... Who am I to have an opinion? I didn't create this earth, you know? You know, the, the, you know when you were a kid, remember you, when <clears throat> you are playing and you wanted the rules to be a certain way? And they didn't want to play by your rules. You said, listen, it's my ball, and we're going to play by my rules, or I take my ball, and I go home. Okay? God said, I made this earth. I made the rules. If you don't like it, you know, whatever. Okay, now, here's here's a video that's going to bring out these seven points. And a lot of times, I'm sure you've heard this from your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Let's see how this thing rolls out. Hey, praise the Lord. So let me ask you, <clears throat> what chance does that couple have of continuing on in a dating or marriage situation? Not good, right? Not good, not good. Why? Well, because there's a scripture here in uh, Amos 3 8. <clears throat> uh, brother, there we are. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? You, you can't, you, you, how can you, you know, formulate a, a life, a pattern, a goal, if you're not thinking the same way, right? So, so even in marriage, in business, friendship, it's hard to walk together unless you be agreed. I know sometimes we have gatherings, and I'm with people, and they don't even talk about God. God's not even on their mind. It's like continual uh, natural things, and it's like, you walk away kind of drained, like, oh my gosh, you know, where is the Lord? You know, we need to re- refurbish ourselves or re-enlighten ourselves or give ourselves refreshing in the Lord. And so how can two walk together unless they be agreed? But now, okay, so, so maybe you're married to someone that doesn't know the Lord, doesn't uh, know the Lord at, the, at right now, but that doesn't mean you give up. That doesn't mean you, like, say, okay, forget it. You know, I'm going to divorce. That's not going to be it. No, you still have to continue. The Bible says as long as they dwell, they want to dwell together, uh, let them stay together because there's certain things that people can bring to each other, even not in the Lord. There's some good common principles and things that you can do, but the idea is for the spouse to win the other spouse over in the Lord by their conversation, by their actions, by by their life, by their way of life. Amen. Isn't that what? Let's see what the next scripture says. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, what communion has light with darkness? Uh, Not to put Bindi on the spot, but Bindi, you have to do a lot of business dealings with people that are not Christians, right? Muslims, Jewish people, and Christian people. Now, is it easier to work with Christian people? That's a loaded question, Okay. Yeah, it's easier to talk with them because they want to pray about things. They want to put God first, and that's always good. But, okay, the next scripture says, but if a woman who has a husband who does not believe, he, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. In other words, keep working it out. It's going to be okay, amen? And and there's, there's a story about Smith Wigglesworth. I don't know if you ever heard about him. I've mentioned him a few times. Great man of God, but he wasn't saved, and his wife was saved, and his wife said, Uh, I'm going to go to church on Wednesday. And he said, I'm tired of you going to church during the week. If you go to church, I'm going to lock the door and you're not going to get in. What would you do? Scratch your head. I don't know. She went to church. Okay. She came home. Guess what? The door was locked and she couldn't get in. And so she slept on the porch slumped against the door, right? What a good wife she is, huh? Don't try this at home, okay? Amen. (laughs) So, in the morning, Smith gets up. He wonders where his wife is. He opens up the door and she plops down right on the kitchen floor. So, what do you think she did? Anybody know the story? What would you do, ladies? Well, call the cops or something. I don't know. She made him breakfast. And that that just warmed his heart. And it was like keeping coals of fire on him. He says, I, I, got, I got to know the guy that you know. And so uh, he accepted the Lord, became a great man of God, raised 14 people from the dead. Just a powerful, powerful man of God. In fact, so many stories about him. He was on a cruise ship, and they said, Smith, would you say a few words, you know, uh, you know, at, during the entertainment party he goes, no, nah, I don't really want to do, inter, interrupt your, your fun. They go, no, please, come on, say, say a few words. He says, okay, I'll say a few words if I go first. He goes, okay, you can go first. He went first, and guess what? Nobody else got a chance to do anything. He just took control over the whole ship. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he was just preaching, and everybody there acknowledged it. Amen? So that's a good biblical uh, worldview. Now, okay, so developing a comprehensive biblical worldview is uh, directing yourself to have a next, a good season, a good next season in your life. It's up to you to determine if you want to have a good season. If you start putting aside worldly things, things that distract you, you're going to have more of an influence. God is going to influence you more, and you're going to be start doing things that you haven't done before. Amen? And... and I've always know have you noticed like things rub off on you whether you whatever you're watching whatever you're seeing you, you start to pray and those things kind of pop up whether it's a football game or a baseball game or anything it just comes it's in your spirit so we have to isolate ourselves and allow the lord to to penetrate our heart penetrate our mind take control over us and we'll see great things happen praise god now <laughs> There are I'm going to talk about a couple seasons. There's weather seasons. You know that, right? What are we in right now? We're in winter. It's cold outside. It's cold inside. No. It's it's rainy. It's snowy in some places, right? But then comes what? Spring. And then we got flowers, nice flowers. Then we got summer and it's too hot. Then we go back to to fall, and then everything is falling, the leaves are falling. So there's different seasons in our lives, or different seasons, weather seasons, and Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 2 and 3, he, says, he said to the Pharisees, you discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the times of the seasons. In other words, he said, I'm here, I, Jesus has arrived, ro- I'm here, the Messiah is here, and you're looking at the sky, and you're not looking at what the spiritual things that I'm trying to bring to you. You guys are missing it completely. Praise God. He's here. He wants to create new seasons in your life. Now, there's several personal seasons in your life. And I've been through a lot of them at my age now. I remember when I was going to school, and I couldn't wait to get out of school. I go, this is torture. How many years do I have to do this? Every week. Study. Take a test. Read. Read. You know why can't I just play? (laughs) But I graduated, grade school, high school, college. Hallelujah! I'm free. (laughs) Then I went to. Then I had to go to work. I go like this is not fun. (laughs) Forty hours a week, get up early and go to work. Am I going to have to do this for 40 years? This is slavery. I can't do this. I heard one girl on the radio, she said, I'm too pretty to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and go to work for 40 years. He said, no, that's not going to happen. Well, good luck with that. Okay, so then after you've been working a while, then you meet a girl or a guy and you get married. And now all of a sudden you've got a whole new season, okay? Now you've got to learn how to dwell together in unity, Amen. Her ways are not your ways, and <laughs> your ways are not her ways, and you have to learn how to, you know, bring them together. I can remember, you know, Marianne's mom's here, and she, she was living with us for, uh, for a while, and my wife and I, we would get into situations where we both thought we were right. Anybody been there? So we would go and sit on her bed, and I would tell my story, and she would tell her story, And her mom would just kind of make peace and just like, you know, smooth things over. I understand how you guys are, blah, 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 talk and talk. And she just made us feel good. And we left the room. We go like, we feel good, but nothing got solved, you know. (laughs) You have to learn how to just accept one another, right? Learn how to live together in unity. I can remember one time, this might help some people. uh, My wife and I were still trying to work things out. uh, And so we had a list we were going to have a counseling appointment with the pastor. We had a list of 15 things that we wanted the other person to, to be. <laughs> Anybody been there? You have to do this, 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 this. So we had our list, and we, we walk into the pastor's office, and he looks at us, and he said, What's, what do you got there? He goes, well, we got a list of things what the other, we want the other person to do. He just looked at us, and, and he said, you know, you, what you got to do is you have to do what the Bible tells you to do for yourself, and all those things will be answered. And he walked out of the room. And we looked at each other like, uh, we're not getting anything solved here. But we said, well, okay, we'll just do what he says. And we started doing, I started doing my part, she did her part. And before you know it, we found the piece of paper a couple of years later. We go like, hey, guess what? You're, You're doing everything that I wanted you to do. And vice versa. You know, worry about your own self. Amen. And the Lord will take care of the rest. Praise God. I told one lady, I says, you do what you're supposed to do, and now that puts it on the Lord to do what he's supposed to do in, that, in your spouse. Praise God. So anyway, we, oh, so then we learn we that's a season, right? We get through that, getting married, then babies come. Hallelujah. That's a whole new season, isn't it? All of a sudden now you're carrying, you know, baby stuff and diapers and strollers and all this kind of baby bottles. And you're staying up late at night trying to get the kids to go to sleep, get the kid. I mean, we used to drive around trying to get Chucky to go to sleep. He wouldn't go to sleep. We had that thing where, you know, that thing where you crank it up, and it's a swing. And, and so he would, when we swung him, he would go to sleep. But the only problem is, after 20 minutes, he had to go and rewind it and everything. So we got 20 minutes of sleep every night. Uh, but so then, anyway, you, you 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 leave. They leave, you know, the house. Then the, you know the teenager years. That's another, that's another season that you got to get through. You know that when, when, one minister said, uh, babies are dangerous. You know, they love you, they hug you, they kiss you, and then they grow up and they hate you. <laughs> and they don't believe in what you believe, and they say you're not che- uh, you didn't raise them right and all that. I'm going like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? I know, I know that quietness is because it's true. Okay. <laughs> and then, okay, so then they leave, and then they like you again, and they depend upon you, and then you get into the retirement season in your life where you get to relax a little bit. But you find out, you look at your calendar, there's more doctor's appointments than there are fun things to do. You go like, how did this happen? You know? And then when you try to talk to somebody, some of your friends, it takes 15 minutes to convey something that would have taken only five minutes, right? Yeah, we went down to, uh, what's that store? Oh, you know, the one on the corner there where they have those tamales. I, I can't remember. Anyway, I went with, uh, who did I go with? Uh, that, uh, for, hey, come on, come on, get it out. Let's, let's talk about this thing. <laughs> but Jesus said when he came, there would be a refreshing Apostle Peter said in Acts 3, Repent that your sins might be blotted out and that the times of refreshing shall come. Amen? Amen? Amen. And it's not just one time, it's a continual flowing through you, refreshing. You know that song, here's another song you probably don't know, only the children's church. I got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, set the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me, spring up a well within my soul, spring up a well and make me whole, spring up a well. And give to me that life eternally, abundantly. Praise God. Amen. So what are we supposed to do here? Uh, I'm going to give you the the seven questions that Barnum gave us, and hopefully you guys are going to get them all right. Are you ready for this? Okay, first question. Do absolute moral truths exist, and is the Bible truth defined in the Bible. In other words, is there absolute truths, and are they found in the Bible? The answer is? True. Yeah. yeah, true, true, good. Okay, you got that first one right, okay. Because Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. My word is truth. So no matter how many years pass by, this word is true forever and ever. It's forever settled in heaven. Therefore, I establish it here in my heart. Amen. So, so a lot of people like tried to have the Bible on a sliding scale. Well, I know the Bible says this, but I feel this way, right? I know the Bible says to forgive, but I really don't feel like forgiving. <laughs> so you're not really exercising the absolute truth of the Bible. And sometimes you need help to do the Bible. Did you know that? I know one time was, we were at, at uh, work and they incorporated a new policy, or it wasn't new, it's was an old policy. They hadn't done it for 10 years. They wanted to check people's badges when they came in the door to make sure they, they were working there. So they had these strong-arm guys, you know, these big bruiser guys, you know, at the door. And as you come in, they go, like, uh, where's your badge? like, well, I don't know. You never asked me that before. And he said, well, you signed in over there. And they're just rude, pushing us around and everything. I said, man, this guy... Need help. And they just kept doing it to everybody. So I finally went up to the guy and go, you know, you could, you could be a little more, you know, polite, you know, in the way you present things to us. You don't have to be so abrupt and abrasive. He goes, well, that's the rules. I go, okay, well, whatever. And so uh, I said something to, to one of the managers. And then so the big manager comes looking for me on the fourth floor. He goes, "You got a problem with one of my men?" I go, "Yeah, actually I do. They're too rough, they're too pushy. They're, you know, they're not even incorporating, you know, good good uh, persona." And he said, "Well, we talked about whether we should tell everybody and give them a heads up, but we thought, well, that's the rule, so we're just going to do it." And these men, I don't know, these are the way the men are. So I I went to my desk and the Lord said, what are you trying to do? I go, well, I'm trying to tell these people to be nice, be kind. He goes, you're not going about the right way, really. He goes, yes, you need to apologize. Apologize? They're the ones being rude. And he said, well, you know, soft answer turns away wrath. So I said, okay, you got to help me with this, Lord. So as coincidental things go, we're in the ra- I'm in the restroom. It's just me and him all by ourselves. And so... We have our backs towards each other, and I said, you know, brother, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I got out of hand. I, I was too too emotional. Ah, uh, don't worry about it. It's all right. I understand. They started changing all the guards, all, all the security guys. They started getting nice, sweet people, and they started being really nice to everybody. And this guy became my, my best friend. How, how did that happen? I don't know. But I was doing the Bible. It's absolute truth. In fact, the next time I came in the the, the the um, what do you call it, office, the facility, he's, he's opening the door for me, saying, good morning, how are you? Great, great. And I was just like, he can't believe that the Bible is so true that you can change a person's heart by being loving towards them. Praise God. So the first, one, you got it, the Bible says what? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is a perfect, acceptable, and good work of God. Amen? Amen. The second question, did Jesus live a sinful life, sinless life? Did he have no sins? Question? True, 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 right? He lived a sinless life. That is almost an impossibility, isn't it? But why did he have to live a sinless life? So that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us, so that we can be redeemed from our sins. And the other part about it is that (laughs) We have the power to overcome sin. We, we, we can't say, oh, well, the devil made me do it. I couldn't resist. I was tempted. No, you, do, you have power to overcome. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way like we were, but yet without sin. So he can, he's in us. Lord, help us live a sinless life. Praise God. Amen. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so he can help us with our sinful life. I can remember when I was learning the things of the Lord, I still had sin in my life, and I was getting ready to go sin. Anybody ever have that temptation? Not in this church, praise God. And, and so the Lord came, and, and he, he just, he just, uh, like, it was like, like lightning, like, like the finger of God hit the the devil that was trying to tempt me, and that thing just fell to the ground and kind of whimpered off, and he said, oh, boy, of little faith. I went like, what? Boy, I'm, I'm 30 years old. What do you mean, boy? I believe in you for a lot of things. He said, you didn't have the faith to believe me over temptation. God has given us a power. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, he says, it is written, Satan, get behind me. Amen. It's like the lady that was buying a dress, (laughs) and her husband didn't want her to buy it. And so she said, oh, it looks pretty good, you know. Well, my husband said, don't buy the dress. She said, Satan, get behind me. (laughs) And so the devil got behind him, and behind her said, looks pretty good from behind too here. No. (laughs) Don't Don't let anybody trick you with that one, Okay. Okay, third question. i got to go quickly. Is God all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? Yes, yes he is. He's all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17 and 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power an outstretched arm, for there is nothing too hard for you. Amen. So if he can make this whole world go around and bring it into existence, he can surely take our world and make some sense out of it and bring things into order. You know, I was listening to this, uh, watching this one TV show, they were trying to explain how the earth came about. I'm going like, they're taking an hour to figure that out? They said, well, there was a bunch of dust particles and it was gathering together and it formed into some rocks and then they just, they kind of collided and all of a sudden, bam, we got the earth and somehow, you know, plants came up, and I'm going like, you're going to do me an hour for this? I mean, God did it in 10, wor- ten words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom, that, you don't need no more explanation. He, it was the Big Bang Theory. Bang, it happened, right? He spoke it, and it came into existence. He wants us to speak things into existence as well, and he's given us the power to do it. Praise God. Amen. So... Uh, so we know that, right? We know that God is the creator of heaven and earth. And he can create things in our lives. He can do things that we couldn't do. Okay, fourth thing. Is salvation a gift from God that can be earned? No, no you, can't. You, you can't earn. All the other religions, you've got to earn your way in. They say get a balance sheet, put your pros, put your cons, and see how you measure up. Are there more pro, pros than cons? Then you get to go into heaven. That doesn't work, does it? No. Because just one con, and you're out. The Bible says you have to do the whole law to get into the kingdom of God. Jesus did the whole law. Amen. In Ephesians 2.8, it says, for grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Isn't that great news? Yeah. That, that it's a gift, gift from God. You don't have to earn it. He loves you, and The Bible says that he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. So I was asking the Lord, Lord, I'm I'm believing for some healing here in my body. What seems to be the hold of it? I've been believing here for, for a while. And he said, you have to believe that I'm able, not only that I'm able, but that I want to in my love heal you. Oh, okay. Because there's that one scripture where it says, I believe, help thou my unbelief. God wants us to believe that he is able and that he wants to because he loves us. Fifth thing, Is Satan real? For sure. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. You ever play that game, Mother, may I? Mother, may I, you know, take so-and-so? No, you may not. Well, the devil says, may I take so-and-so? No, you may not. You know, may I take your health? No, you may not. May I take your finances? No, you may not. He, see, he, he can't do it all by himself. He gets, has to get our permission, but we, we're giving him a no, you may not. Praise God. All right, moving along, we got two more to go. Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Absolutely, right? The great commission is, go ye into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things for whichever I have told you. Go ye into all the world. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I send you. Let me put some a little uh, conviction on you. How are you doing on that? Amen? It's the great commission. It's the great command. It's what Jesus told us to do. Are we doing that? Are we reaching out? Are we looking forward to seeing how we can bring people into the kingdom of God? All you have to do is read or, or listen to some people that have gone to hell and it stirs you up like, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I, I don't care if I'm embarrassed. I want to tell the person. Do you want, you want heaven or you want hell? Let, let me explain to you the, two, the difference. You choose. Well, nobody knows. Yeah, you can. know. By accepting Jesus in your heart. And when you have that conviction, you cannot rest because you want to tell everybody about the good news of the gospel. Praise God. So that's what we have to do. Uh, the last question: Is the Bible accurate accurate in all of its teachings? You'd have to say yes to that, right? But sometimes people, well, there's some contradictions. There's some in the translation, there's some words that are not quite, you know, line up. But there's four people writing this Bible, this gospel, from all different parts of the world. you got people from centuries before writing, and you got centuries after, and it all gels together. There might be some discrepancies that you can explain away, and there's Bible scholars that can do that, but I know the Word of God has got power in my life, and it can make things happen. And so you have to believe that it is accurate. You know, because what did they say? The proof is in the pudding. If it says, by his stripes, I am healed, and you confess and believe that, and you watch it come to pass, you say, hey, this teaching is true. This teaching will make a difference in my life. So how did you do on those seven questions? Hopefully you got them all right, all yeses. So I'm going to call up Barnum and tell him, hey, listen, uh, at our church, we had 100%. I don't know about this 9% that you're talking about. come on over to our house amen (laughs) so in conclusion we want to be doers of the word of god not hearers only therefore deceiving ourselves as it says in james 1 verse 22 the reality is that we think uh, we need to think uh, along the lines of following the bible we cannot have a framework outside of that because it doesn't coincide with the way god is thinking So developing a biblical worldview and expressing our worldview to others in love will help us be more mature and focus our minds and bodies on Christ. We will be able to realize where we are messing up if we develop a framework for believing and living that is based on scriptures. Isn't that good news to hear? That you're following the Word of God, that you're on the right track, you're on the right path, that God is with you that he'll be with you always. So, Father, I just thank you that as we heard the word of God, that it is changing our lives, that we're bringing more into line with what you have taught us, and that we know we hold true to it. Your truths are real. We thank you for it. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to just add as an altar call, if you're out there, either here or on the broadcast, you say, you know what, I'm not even doing half the things that you're talking about, Pastor Chuck, and I need to get my life in line and in step with the Word of God. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you and let the Holy Spirit come and minister to you and do those things that He wants you to do. I see that hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for those that are here, those that are listening, that we want to be well-pleasing. We want our ways to be well-pleasing in your sight. So, Father, teach us. It's a love with a love that surpasses understanding to be a difference for the people that are in this world. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to use us to do that. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to receive communion right now, and we know that Jesus did live a sinless life. And he said, I desire earnestly to offer myself up for you, So that you can have fellowship with the Father, unrestrained, unblocked, completely free. The Bible says to come boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If that's you right now and you want His mercy and His grace, just receive it in your heart right now. Confess your sins unto Him, ask for forgiveness. Bible says to examine yourself. Lord, teach us how to love you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.